can't believe this is already the third episode. I'm Sam Thoman, as usual, with my co-host, Zach Folly. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing good, Sam. I'm also, I uh, can't believe it's episode three already. Uh, I feel like we're seasoned vets at this point. Mm-hmm. We are also, um, we are six weeks and one day away from what would be the start of the college football season. I still have, I know, I know, I still got all my fingers and my toes crossed, hoping that something will change here in the next six weeks and we can still watch football. So we'll see what happens here over the rest of the summer. Um, other than that, though, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here, excited to talk some Mac. Oh, I'm there with you. It was a, I would say, miserable kind of few months without any sort of action. We had the the last time we had sports was the kind of closing of when the NCAA tournament just got canceled. So we've been yep. waiting for our action, and hopefully, when that two uh, six weeks comes, we can get some sort of action. And we've got a lot to get into this episode. We've got a new segment coming in later this episode that I think me and Zach are pretty excited about. It's a pretty lengthy segment, not going to lie. Me and Zach already recorded it previously, but I think it turned out really well. Be sure to stay tuned for that. It's sort of a bonus for you guys we've got going on later in this uh, kind of, not this episode, but it'll be a bonus for you guys that we also release on Friday. We've got an interview with the Call to Action guys. They were They were gracious enough to join us for a, I believe, what, Zach, 15, 20-minute interview that you guys can also listen to? Yeah, yeah, and I think that it was, you know, kind of returning the favor to them. They had us on our on their podcast a couple of weeks ago, so it was nice to have them on ours and, and kind of continue that conversation. Uh, Jeremy and Eric are great guys, so, yeah, that'll be out on Friday as well. little bonus episode in addition to, to this, uh, you know, your, your normal uh, episode that we put out on Friday. So please be sure to check that out as well. And then follow Jeremy and Eric and, and their podcast on the uh, on on Twitter. Um, you know they're they're trying to grow still as well. The, so that's the Call to Action podcast for all things Mac. They do great stuff over there. So it was great to have them on. Yeah, and I I I would say the exact things same thing as Zach. Uh, big shout outs to them. They have been nothing but showing us love and support from the very beginning. So big shout outs to them. But I think we're gonna jump into straight into segment one. Does that sound good, Zach? Yeah, I love it. Let's go. So for our segment one, as we did last episode, we kind of touch on general news surrounding the Mac, the Mac and Maction before we get into sort of our creative segments. In the first segment, we wanted to talk to you. We have a bunch of Mac players on different preseason award watch lists. For the first uh, award watch list, we've got the Davey O'Brien uh, award the, for the quarterback, the best overall quarterback in the league, and we've got Dustin Crum. What are your thoughts, Zach, on Dustin Crum? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Dustin Crum is a guy that that we have talked about a lot on this show. He, uh, you know, I've talked about how he really kind of turned Kent State's season around last year, and I think uh, he's his inclusion on this list is uh, well deserved. Coming off a year where he was a first uh, first year starter last year. 2,625 yards, 69% completion percentage. He was also the leading rusher on the team with over 700 yards. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, I think Dustin Crum is the reason why Kent State turned their season around and went to uh, a bowl game last year and won that bowl game, the first bowl win in uh, in program history. I think Kent State uh, could be a sleeper team to win the Eastern Division and get to Ford Field. I've said this many times as well. 
And uh, Dustin Crumb's a big reason for that. So I, I was not surprised at all to see his name on this list. I think he's going to have a great year. I expect big things from him. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you, Zach. He's a definite stud. People have to definitely watch out for him last year. And I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but Kent State recently showed off their rings that they got for their first ever bowl victory, which was super cool. I thought, moving on, we've got the Doak Walker Award for the best running back in college. I won a few of these playing NCAA 14, but this is real <laughs> life, so we're going to touch on that. We've got Andrew Clare from Bowling Green. Bryant Kobach from Toledo. We've got Kobe Lewis from Central Michigan. Kevin Marks and Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. And to finish off the list, my own favorite out of these lists, just from bias, Caleb Huntley from Ball State. So, Zach, is there anybody that stands out from that list to you? Um, I would say the thing that really stands out to me is I'm, I'm not going to pick out one person, but the fact that Buffalo has two running backs on this list, I mean, you want to talk about – Lance Leipold and, and really like the the foundation that he's built and kind of the image of that program that he's built up there in Buffalo. They're going to run the ball. They're going to lean on their offensive line. They're going to bleed the clock and they're going to play good defense. And this, the fact that he has two running backs included on this list, I really think is just a testament to the way that, um, that he has uh, built this program. I mean, we talked a lot about uh, Jared Patterson in the past. This is a guy that, you know, people talk about as a dark horse Heisman candidate. But uh, but Marks uh, is also Kevin Marks in the backfield is just as dangerous. Um, he might doesn't get quite the the um, publicity that Patterson does. But I mean, Marks rushed for 100 yards five different times last year, um, 1,000 yards on the season, eight touchdowns. I mean, this is a team that has two 1,000 yard running backs coming back from last year. Not many teams in the country can say that. So I think that ground game for the Bulls this year is going to be very dangerous. And when you look at the future of the Bulls program, you have Jared Patterson, who's a senior, and then you've got Marks, who's a sophomore. So not only will you do you have two dynamic rushers go, going into the season, you have basically your future secure with Marks. I saw 2021, Buffalo now has the third highest out of all the MAC in recruiting class for 2021. So it looks like Lance Leopold is doing a good job not only to set themselves up now, but for the future. Now moving on to the Bolitnikoff Award for the best wide receiver award. We've only got two names. It's not as much as Doak Walker, but still some impressive names. We've got Sky Moore out of Western Michigan, Khalil Pimpleton out of Central Michigan. What stands out to you from those two names? Man, I tell you what, I love watching Khalil Pimpleton last year. Uh, I think this guy is electric. Not only is he a great receiver uh, in the open field, but also a dangerous, dangerous uh, return. Man, he was second in the MAC last year in punt return average. Um, he, had tw he was 29th in the country in receptions uh, per game. Uh, sixth in, in school history in terms of catches in a season last year in his first year at CMU. I'm excited to see what he can do in, in his second year um, on, in Greg McElwain's offense, especially now, um, you know, Tony Colgin announced that he's transferring out of Central Michigan, so that's one less target there uh, for the quarterbacks to throw to. It's going to be interesting to see who um, ends up being the starting quarterback there at Central Michigan, and uh, whoever it ends up being, though, I know – that Khalil Pimpleton is going to get a lot of targets. I expect big things from him last or this year. Excuse me. He is really, you know, electric. He's one of those guys that could take to the house anytime he touches the ball. And for me, I'm going to take a little bit different approach. I'm really excited about what Sky Moore can done last year. 51 receptions, 802 yards, 
three touchdowns. Uh, and he was a first-team All-Max selection last year, I do believe. Yeah, 2019 yeah, first-team All-Max selection. I believe he's only a sophomore. Or he was, yeah, class sophomore. So he's got more room to grow. I see big things if he can elevate his game. He's going to lead this Western Michigan offense into the future, and I believe he's going to produce some great things. Yeah, I agree. He's he's one of those guys that was a transfer. He came in from Virginia Tech. If you look through the, the history of, of the Mid-American Conference, there's been a long history of guys who have transferred into MAC schools from, from you know, Power 5 programs and have had great careers, and, and I think he could be next on that list. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, we've got the Buckus Award, which is for the best college linebacker. We've only got one name, Sean Howard from Western Michigan. Western Michigan coming in big on these uh, watch lists. What yeah. are your thoughts on Sean Howard? Well, the first thing I saw when I looked up Sean Howard, I noticed he grew up in Ypsilanti, Michigan, in the shadow of Eastern Michigan University. So I'm wondering how Chris Creighton let this guy get away to Kalamazoo and, you know, suit up for the Broncos. But anyway, um, I mean, this is a guy, I think, again, really deserves consideration on this list. He was the MAC Defensive Player of the Year last year, uh, 179 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks. I mean, this is a guy that is a physical linebacker. He's not afraid to, to you know, to get in there and, and help stop the run and get his nose dirty. He can cover. Uh and I just think oh, he's kind of like the total package. We talk about guys on defense that are a little bit positionless, that can run, that can uh, play, you know, play the run, play the pass, can cover in the open field. He can do all those things. So I think this is a guy that's going to be a leader on the field and in the locker room for Western Michigan this year. And I was actually, I was really happy to see him included on this list because I feel like he's a guy that nationally is a little bit underappreciated. I think if he has a big year this year, you can see hear his, uh, hear his name on Sunday in the next couple of years. Yeah, he definitely had a big season last year. I think people are starting to notice him a little bit. That's why he's on two different lists. One we'll get to later on in this episode. But he's totally deserving, as you mentioned, MAC Defensive Player of the Year. There's not much else I can add, but just a just a force on the field to be reckoned with. Now, to move into the secondary, we're going to move into the Thorpe Award. We've got uh, quite a few names. We've got Tyrone Hill from Buffalo. We've got Manny Rugamba from Miami, Ohio. We've got Sterling Weather Weatherford from also Miami, Ohio. Antonio Phillips from Ball State and Ameki Azudinma also from Ball State. What stands out to you? Is there any one name that kind of yeah stands out to you, Zach? Um, I don't know that there's one name that stands out here to me. I think a lot of the guys on this list we've we've talked about. You know, we've talked about dynamic duo uh, that Ball State has at the corner position there with uh, Uzadinma and Phillips. And then same thing with Miami with, with Weatherford and Rugamba. I mean, Uzadinma and Phillips uh, the, were the top two. They, you know, they led the MAC in interceptions last year where uh, Uzadinma had five and Phillips had four. That led the conference. I think when you, you know, playing against Miami and Ball State this year, it's going to be tough to throw the ball when you have lockdown corners like that. Um, I think both of those teams – uh, are, are going to be able to lean on their defense a little bit more this year than they did last year because of the leadership of these guys that they have on the back end. Yeah, and I agree. Not to mention Ball State's two uh, defensive backs. We've also got Buffalo. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup when you've got two dynamic edge rushers and now you've got a kind of cornerstone defensive back in Tyrone Hill getting that recognition, stepping up in big moments. It's going to be tough to throw this year in the MAC. Uh, conference, unlike we've seen in previous years, there's a lot of big names, a lot of 
big names getting recognition, it's going to be hard to throw in this coming year. Yeah, and, and that's actually one of the things that uh, surprised me a little bit about this list is that just how heavy, um, or I should say these lists in general, there, there are more Mac players on the defensive list than the offensive list. I think most people historically, when you think about the Mac, you think about offense, you think about throwing the ball, passing yards, high scoring games, lots of touchdowns, electric stuff. But a lot of these teams this year are looking you know, the way their rosters are built, there's going to be some strong defenses in the Mid-American Conference this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. And to counteract that defense, you need you need a solid offensive line to protect your quarterback to give him time to throw. And the next list is the Outland Award for the best offensive lineman. We've got a quite a few names. Tommy Doyle from Miami, two from Western Michigan, Jalen Moore, and Mike Caliendo, I hope I'm saying that right, Bryce Harris from Toledo, and Kyota Awusika from Buffalo. I mean, I mean, you've got two names from Western Michigan. What else stands out to you, Zach, from this list? Yeah, I mean, so you, you mentioned the two names from, from Western Michigan, but I also think that uh, Bryce Harris from Toledo, I, I really like him as well. Um, he, he deserves to be on this list. And, and Toledo in general, I think they're going to need to run the ball a little bit better this year if, if they're going to have some success and get back to a bowl game where I know, um, you know, they expect to be as a program. Uh, Bryce Harris is one of those guys that can really be an anchor on the offensive line that you can really run behind. If you're in a situation where you need two yards, you can run right behind him and you know you're going to pick those yards up. So I like him a lot. I think he's a big body. Another guy that I can see playing on Sundays in a couple years. And I'll be curious to see how he does this year and, and you know how his play affects the, the Rockets offense in general. Yeah, one guy I want I would like to mention is Tommy Doyle playing for Miami, Ohio. It's uh, uh, coming off that freshman of the year list. Brett Gabbard's probably going to develop even more. And to do that, he needs a solid offensive line. And Tommy Doyle is going to have to step up to provide him that time to potentially lead the Red Hawks to another MAC championship. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think uh, all these guys on this list, I mean, a lot of great O-linemen have come from the Mac over the last couple of years. I mean, you think about guys like Joe Staley, Eric Fisher, a lot of others. I mean, there, there are some great linemen that have come uh, from the Mid-American Conference. So it'll be curious, or I will be curious to see how these guys perform this year, if any of them are able to make that jump and play on Sunday. And on our final uh, award watch list, we've had the Nagurski Award, which is defense in general. Any uh, college defensive player can make it. And we've got quite a few names as well. We got Troy Brown from Central Michigan. We've got Trayshawn Howard, how, how we mentioned him previously, from Western Michigan. We've got Antonio Phillips once again. Malcolm Kuntz once again from Buffalo. And Taylor Riggins from Buffalo. What stands out to you from that list? I think the thing for me, um, I, I look at guys like Troy Brown and Trayshawn Howard here, and I feel like every time we talk about, you know, players on the defensive side of the ball, um, I almost feel like a, a broken record because I always – seem to talk about this idea of like guys who are quote unquote positionless. I think here as football has, has developed and evolved, you know, in 2020, if you're going to be a defender, um, you got to be able to do multiple things. You got to be able to cover, you got to be able to run, you got to be able to play the run, tackle well in open space. And uh, Troy Brown and Trishon Howard, you know, are two guys that definitely check all of those boxes. These are guys that are linebackers, but they can also line up at the safety position if they need to. They can cover backs out of the backfield. They're not afraid to get their nose dirty and, and really, um, you know, 
get in there and blitz, get to the quarterback, get into the backfield. These are two guys that I really like. Um, all five of these guys, though, I think deserve inclusion on this list. Uh, we talked about Antonio Phillips. I mentioned Taylor Riggins last week. Um, and, and how he impressed me last year. So I think there's so much talent on this list. There's so much talent on the defensive side of the ball in the MAC this year um, that, that I'm happy to see some of these guys get included and get some recognition on the preseason award list. Yeah, and as we wrap this up, we, we I made a tally based on the list that we have. We have Kent State coming with one nominee, Bowling Green with one, Toledo with two, Citra Michigan with a solid three. Buffalo with a solid six nominations, yeah. Western Michigan with five, Miami with two, and Ball State with four. I mean, that just – I mean, Buffalo just coming in with a strong six, Western Michigan not far behind with five. I mean, Zach, what are your takeaways from that list? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when you see Buffalo with, with six – you know, being mentioned six times on this list, I think it makes sense that they're kind of the preseason favorite, right? I mean, they, they have – a loaded roster. They have a lot of talent coming back. Um, I was also, you know, I was excited to see some of the, the programs on here uh, get some recognition that, that might not always get as much. You know, you had Andrew Clare on there from Bowling Green, Dustin Crum from Kent State. Uh, Ball State was well represented as well. So I was happy to see some of those guys uh, get included for their individual performances last year and, and you know, uh, making sure people are watching them moving forward into 2020. And just for clarification, say we did cover a watch list uh, one or two episodes ago. That is not included on this list. So my numbers are probably a a little bit off. But for the most part, for the seven uh, awards we have listed, that is the the tally for them. And for some kinder uh, non-award watch list news, we've got a big news coming from Central Michigan. We've got Tony Pulgian who we talked about when the on the Twitter responses section. Yeah. Uh, he, he decided to transfer from Central Michigan to Virginia. What are your thoughts? We did talk about him, uh, I believe, an episode or two ago. Well, yeah, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough break for uh, the Chippewas. I think this is a guy that they were really going to be leaning on as one of their top targets this year. Uh, this is a guy that was second team all Mac last year, you know, 33 catches, 496 yards, four touchdowns, really over the course of the season, he really developed as, as a, a focal point of the Western, or of the, excuse me, of the central Michigan offense. I think Virginia got a great player here. You just, you know, with the timing of it and, and just generally speaking, whenever you see a player have success and leave to go to a bigger program, you feel bad for the program that lost him. It'll be a big hole for central Michigan to fill. I think, in just one instant, you have, you know, the position of tight end going from a strength for them to now a little bit of a question mark. You don't know who's going to step in and fill those shoes. And with, you know, on top of that, you only have a couple weeks to figure that out. So um, you feel bad for, for the Chippewas in a situation like this, but I think uh, Poljan is someone that's going to be playing on Sundays. And I think he probably just wanted to play against some, some bigger competition, get a little bit of a bigger uh, platform, which I'm, you know, I'm not going to fault him for that. He's, he's going to get some more high profile games playing for Virginia in the ACC. Best of luck to him, but you just, you hate to see this for a program like Central Michigan that really had some momentum going into the season. They still have some momentum, but Poljan was a big part of that. So it'll be curious to see how they're able to replace him. Yeah, it's definitely a big loss for Central Michigan. When you're trying to figure out who your quarterback to, to uh, kind of be, you need those weapons around him. And of course, we mentioned Cleo Pimmel, Pimmelton earlier 
but Tony Pulitzer was going to be a solid piece in that offense, kind of a safety blanket while they figure out their offense. It's definitely a huge blow for Central Michigan as they try to kind of recover his loss. And good for him. He's trying to focus on his future. Uh, no shots at him. Good luck, Best of luck to him. And we're going to move on to the MAC. Recently announced they're going to delay the start of fall Olympic sports. Quick side note, this does not include football, as football is not technically an Olympic sport. So just quickly, what's your thought, Zach, as we wrap up this general news segment? Yeah, you know, um, it seems like every day a story like this comes out where, a uh, you know, a conference either delays Olympic sports or delays sports in general or moves starts sports to the spring. A lot of conferences such as the MAC have not made any decisions, you know, you know, concretely on football just yet. But every time one of these stories comes out, to me, it just seems like, you know, football is going to be the next domino to fall. I, I, I think at this point we're looking at a spring season at, at best or, or maybe, you know, a, a really condensed fall season. I'm not sure how it's going to look. And obviously that's all speculative. But, yeah, when you hear um, the MAC come out and say that they're moving all their Olympic sports, you got field hockey, uh, men's and women's soccer, women's volleyball, cross country, all that stuff is, is being delayed until September. Um, it's It's hard for me to kind of understand how – it would be safe to play football before that, but not these other sports. I, I just think, you know, the, the the moving or altering of football season at this point to me is inevitable, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm there with you. I think we're just waiting for that official announcement, both me and you, Zach. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely. I don't see how you can just kind of delay the rest of the sports and not do football. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see for the official announcement for Mac. All we can do is hold out hope. Just, just hope for the best. Yeah, I think that's going to wrap yeah. up this general news segment. Do you have any final thoughts on the watch list that we've covered, the transfer news, or the Mac delaying? The no, I don't. I don't think so. I um, you know, I'm I'm just waiting for some official word on football season, just like I think you are, like everyone else is. So I'm sure we'll get something here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, camps are scheduled to open. I think like August seventh or uh, maybe August tenth. I have whatever one of those Mondays. And so I mean, we're only two two or three weeks away from camp opening. So we're going to need to have some more information soon about football. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay, uh, to move away from that kind of darkened news about the Magdalene Fall Sports, we're going <laughs> to liven it up with uh, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter question responses and reactions. We wanted to know your favorite Maction moment of the school. Now, every Friday, I will be tweeting out a Twitter question of the week for you guys to respond to. If you want to have your Twitter uh, answer shout out on this podcast, be sure to answer that. We've only got a couple answers. We're looking for a couple more from you guys just so we can keep this uh twitter thing going and so we've got uh so as i mentioned we did the favorite maction moment from your school we tweeted that out we've got a few responses one from at smaniacal again at smaniacal he said 2016 western michigan at northwestern saw it live not a beautiful one but very personally satisfying the northwestern lady next to me was coming at me ultra hard for no reason i'm provoked with her too young Kids with her, I didn't say a word. Watching her face as Western Michigan went victory from formation was the best. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that, Max? Um, yeah, I mean, first, I, I could definitely see for a Western Michigan fan, um, you know, why this game would be so memorable. 
Um, this is obviously, this was week one of the season that turned into them, you know, going undefeated and going to the Cotton Bowl. So this was the start of that. And, and you know, Northwestern went on to have a pretty decent year that year. They, they only went six and six, but, you know, obviously in the Big Ten, that's a, a tough schedule. And then they ended up going uh, and, and beating a ranked pit team in the, um, the pinstripe bowl that year. So they finished seven and six. So to go on the road and beat up a, a bowl caliber big 10 team um, in their own stadium is, is certainly uh, a memorable thing for any Mac team. Um, but knowing how this victory kind of set off the rest of their season uh, and led them to the cotton bowl is, is definitely a cool thing. It's definitely something that I could see, you know, Western Michigan fans having, you know, kind of hanging this one up there as one of the best wins in program history. Yeah, any any Power Five win for a Max school is going to be big. If if Ball State would have beat um, IU, I would have probably had that as my Max moment. But to go on the fan section, I definitely know um, kind of how fans can get, and it's definitely rewarding when you can uh, have your team beat their team. Our next uh, tw- our next Twitter response was. At Toledo Seahawks, we've got second quarter of Toledo's 2017 game against Miami, Florida. Never saw such a dominating quarter by a MAC team against such an opponent. Also showed the great greatness of the later MAC champion. 2016 season of Logan Woodside, just beautiful to watch. Logan Woodside was a heck of a quarterback for for Toledo, um, and we looked him up. I believe you said he's, he's still on the roster. What was it? The Titans, I think it was. You said yes. Sam. Um, as, as far as the game versus Miami goes, um, I could definitely see why the second quarter specifically uh, would be so memorable for a Toledo fan. So Miami went up 10-0 in the first quarter, uh, and Toledo scored 16 straight in the second to take the halftime lead. Um, I would think this would be a little bit more prominent in the mind of, of Toledo fans if the Rockets would have held on to, to win that game. Uh, Miami really kind of came out in the second half and flexed their muscles a little bit and ended up winning 52 to 30. But I talked, um, I talked last week uh, a little bit about uh, Jason Candle and, and the Toledo program. And um, this was a, you know, this was a good year for them. This was the year that I, I talked about last week uh, whenever they ended up, they ended the season 11 and three, they won the Mac that year. Um, their only losses in the regular season were that game at Miami, and then later in the season they lost the game at Ohio. Um, so certainly a great year for Toledo. Uh, would have been a little bit better if they would have been able to pull that game off um, and, uh, and and get the victory there. One other thing I wanted to highlight, Sam, from our Twitter responses was that um, when uh, Esmanichael, uh had mentioned the the Western Michigan and um, Northwestern game. He also gave us a couple other options there. I just wanted to quickly touch on the Central Michigan uh, Hail Mary walk-off against Oklahoma State a couple years ago, uh, back in 2016. If anyone out there, if you haven't seen the ending of that game uh, when when Central Michigan uh, upset Oklahoma State, you've got to go on YouTube and find that clip. It was one of the craziest endings to a football game I've ever seen. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But Central Michigan did, did come up with the upset there. That was another one that I wanted to highlight. Um, all things considered, though, a lot, a lot of great options there. Yeah, and uh, to quickly bring it back to when the second quarter, when you look at Miami's roster, it was stacked at the time. You've got – I looked at Mark Walton, who was, who was drafted in the fourth round in the NFL. You have Travis Homer, who's still in the NFL. You had Braxton Berrios, who's in the NFL. Christi, Christopher Hernan, the fourth 
who's still in the NFL. You have Michael Irvin's son on that team. You have the kicker, Michael Bagley. So to hold a power five team to shut to a shutout with NFL talent on your, on, on Miami's roster is pretty impressive considering it's, it's Toledo. Yeah, you're right. And I'm looking, I pulled up, I'm looking at Toledo's uh, season and results from 2017. I mean, their offense that year was unbelievable. I mean, just week after week, 47 points, 37 points, 54 points, 30 points, 30 points, 48, 58, 27, 66, 37, 45. I mean, that was a team that was electric on offense. And so definitely a fun team to watch. And whenever you think about Maction, whenever I think about Pete Maction, those are the teams that I tend to think about. Those teams that can have a, have a great quarterback, that can sling the ball around, put up points and are exciting. That was definitely an exciting team to watch. And when you look at Toledo, the offense you mentioned, you not only have Logan Woodside, who is absolutely electric, you have the NFL product in Deontay Johnson being his yes. receiver. So you can imagine how tough it was to stop both of those. Yeah, 100%. And, um, yeah, as a Steelers fan, I love watching Deontay Johnson. He's electric, and, and, and he – I mean, he made people look silly in college. He's always been fun to watch. And for our last Twitter response, we had to go back to the previous question because this guy – this person got in a little bit late. But we're going to include him anyway because I think it's a pretty, pretty – um, and it's not the same um, answer that some people gave last week. So we just wanted to bring it up. So he said, at Reese, Tim Brooks said, no matter what Akron and Kent do, it seems no one no one ever believes they'll be good. Also, maybe I'm nostalgic for history. I was hardly around for but Miami, Ohio is always overlooked. Toledo is overrated. We touched on Toledo, I believe, in Kent State last week. What are your thoughts on Akron? And we, we may have briefly touched on Miami, but what are your thoughts on this response? Yeah, um, I uh... – I, I, I generally speaking, you know, I, I agree with him. I think Akron and Kent State, most people think of as, as basketball schools. Akron's in a tough spot right now. You know, obviously they went 0-12 last year in Tom Arth's first year. I think um, you look at their schedule this year, there are a couple opportunities for wins. Uh, you know, you open the season against Youngstown State. Uh, you play New Mexico State. Um, you play, you know, UMass. These are three teams that are also – not that strong. I think you can pick up a win in one of the one or two of those games and show some progress for for Tom Arth in his second year. But they just, you know, a couple of years ago with Terry Bowden, they seemed to have some momentum there at Akron, and um, not, now the the program seems to have backslid a little bit to a point where you know you got to really, really kind of search the schedule to see where they might be able to pick up a victory. I do think they will be better this year. Um, I, I don't see them, you know, get into a bowl game or anything like that. But, you know, the other teams you mentioned, we, we talked about them. I agree Miami is underrated this year, Kent State as well. And, you know, Toledo was my overrated team last week. So I think for the most part, I, I agree, agree with Reese here. Yeah, and I think with Akron, it depends how you define underrated, how kind yes, of low of a bar, how low of a bar they are kind of setting for Akron. Because you look at last season, 0-12, even even the worst of teams like a Bowling Green still got three wins at the end, at the end of the season. So I think I I think Akron, as you mentioned, will definitely do better than last season. I don't see them going winless. I could see them picking up a few wins, but I don't necessarily see them as underrated unless they have them at zero wins again. 
Yeah, and and you know what's uh, there's that old saying, Sam, that when you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. Well, mm-hmm. Akron not only was Akron zero and twelve last year, um, nine of their twelve losses were by double digits. They averaged an FBS worst ten and a half points per game, and uh, over the entire season, they ran for 576 rushing yards. Think about that. The entire team over 12 games ran for 576 yards. I mean, when you look at things like that, like I really feel like there truly is nowhere to go but up uh, mm-hmm. for, for Tom Orth. They have a decent quarterback. Cato Nelson's been the starter there for three years, ever since he was a freshman. He's dynamic. He can move the ball with his, you know, he can run, he can throw, he, he can do some things. He's a dual threat guy. They have some pieces there. It's going to be interesting to see if, if he's able to recruit and, 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 you know, put some pieces in place on the lines um, that allow them to be more competitive in conference play. Oh, yeah. I, 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 could, I could, again, I think it just goes back to how, how you define underrated. And you mentioned they do have a solid quarterback, but I'm just not that big of a believer in Akron. Can't say yeah. I, I had as my underrated pick Miami – I think it was a little bit overlooked when you consider the fact that people really had wasn't even looking at them even when they won the MAC championship. So I would say that's a solid pick for underrated. Uh, Toledo, I would agree with you there, is also overrated. And, and yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up. Do you have any final thoughts on these kind of three picks? No, no, I think these were all good picks. And uh, I just want to reiterate again, you know, we, we, we thank – fans who who have responded to our twitter questions we we love shouting you guys out on the show please continue to do so we'll have another question posted uh, on on friday this week after the new episode goes up welcome guys to our next segment we have some special guests on our zoom call uh if you don't know who they are, you're probably sleeping on a rock. We were actually on their podcast, the Call to Action podcast. You guys should definitely check that out. We've got Jeremy Guy and Eric Kwiatkowski, I believe I pronounced that right. So, so guys, how are you doing on this fine afternoon? Just, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, man, I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us on. I know it's been in the works for uh, uh, about a week now, so uh, we appreciate you guys having us on. Everybody's good. Yeah, we're just uh, we're waiting like everyone else for uh, some good news to, to pop and um, just kind of taking every day by day um, to, to see what, you know, what what uh, what news is brought our way. And, and hopefully we continue in a uh, positive trend uh, to, to get the fall going and, and get back in. Uh, I mean, I think we're all waiting to get back in the groove. And as I mentioned, they do have a podcast called a Match Podcast. And we want to start this kind of uh, conversation kind of lighter and move into the more serious stuff as we get around. So, guys, so what was kind of your inspiration for starting your podcast? You guys, I believe, started back in 2019. So how did you kind of get the ball rolling with being the official Mac podcast? Well, I think it's just like anything else. It's starting uh, first as, as being a fan of podcasts and listening to them um, throughout, whether I'm driving to work or at my desk. Uh, I know both of us speak for Eric as well on this is, you know, we enjoy podcasts. And I think from my vantage point is we looked at what, what are some avenues for the Mac that we aren't hitting? What are some, 
we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have all the social media platforms covered, but what's another avenue that we could start to promote ourselves? And when, with, with kind of the, the way that we like listening to podcasts and, and we, we had talked about it probably for a year before we even did it. And then we just finally said, let's, let's do this and let's get some coaches, student athletes on and, and uh, just a, another way to promote the conference. Yeah. I mean, like Jeremy said, we were already talking about most of the stuff that we wanted to do. And we were already talking about what was going to be talked about on the podcast anyway. We would just do it in a different form. So it was super exciting to just kind of get our voices out there and, and talk about some stuff we love. And, and so what's, as you guys have started this podcast, what's, uh, what's like something you, you've learned or something you didn't expect to experience as you're, you know, interviewing athletes, interviewing coaches from across the Mac? Um, what, what's been something that, that you've enjoyed or something that you, you didn't think about beforehand that's become a, a cool part of it for you guys? Um, maybe, Eric, if you want to go first on this one. Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, I had never been that kind of on camera, on mic type of personality type of guy. Um, you know, I love talking and, and shooting the breeze like the next guy, but it, talking for 30 minutes at a time with, with a guest and, you know, preparing questions. And it, it's definitely grown to be something I love doing, researching our guests, um, things like that. It's a huge part of what we do and, and preparing for those topics. So um, it's been a lot of fun and, and I love doing it. Yeah. And for me, you know, we, I'd say the challenge um, the first challenge of, of this is that we're at the conference office. So on a lot of podcasts we listen to, I listen to, there's a lot of opinion. And sure, we could share our opinions, but we're here in the league office and, you know, we can't, we can't talk about certain plays or certain um, outcomes of games and stuff. We, we do try to veer towards just really promoting our student athletes and coaches uh, on and off the field. I think that's where we we kind of just wanted to take the podcast, and that's been really fun. It's um, it's more work, like Eric said. It's coming up with things, and you have to dig sometimes. And we've come up with some good things that some of our guests had no clue that how we found them out. And sometimes you're asking teammates or um, people that just know them really well, and getting some dirt on them, and and that makes for fun stuff. And and so there is a level of um, being prepared that we uh, try to go but I, I also say that some of our best shows have been when we just have not prepared and we just roll with it and have a conversation sometimes that's more fun just like you're sitting around a table um, shooting the breeze and uh, that that's also a lot of fun so we've had a lot of cool guests on right now we're in a little bit of a lull waiting to see what happens we have guests lined up that we want to have on but um, you know trying to focus on something towards the season and starting to move forward yeah. with things as we look to the fall. So one thing I just wanted to bring up. So you mentioned how like you basically have to have creative creativity and just uh, a willingness kind of kind of research that is that how one becomes a because we're just starting out with this new podcast. Is that what's kind of your advice for someone looking to have a successful podcast? Is it like create creativity is it the passion what 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 advice would you give someone yeah i'll go first with that one um to me the biggest thing is just having a person you like talking to i mean jeremy and i are are definitely friends outside of work and and outside of podcasting in general 
Um, we like talking to each other. We like, you know, throwing topics off of one another. And we have a lot of the same interests, which is, uh, makes it, makes it easy. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that you can prepare for, but I guess fluidity with your co-hosts and guests is some of like the most important things to have when a successful podcast, at least to me. Yeah. I'd, I'd piggyback off that and just say, once you start doing a few, you kind of get into that rhythm um, and, and know the way things go. And, and we've had to go on the fly here at the early going since March of how we're going to do this via Zoom, like we're doing today. And typically, we were sitting across from each other in our conference room with microphones and the whole setup. And now it's different in some, in some aspects when you're having guests on, as we're seeing today, it's easier to to point or to, to, to reference someone like, hey, you go first and, and what's, you know, with, with putting together a show. So, and, and also seeing your guests. Typically we had our guests call in on the phone um, and now being able to see whatever coach or student athlete we're talking to is, is kind of good. And I think something we're gonna look to do in the future. So building that rapport with, with your um, co-host and being on the same level and just having the same idea of how you want to how you want the show perceived and moving forward is, is really what we've tried to do. Um, so one other thing I'm, I'm curious to hear about, about from you guys is really the experience of, of working for a, a division one athletic conference. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they see the end product on TV. They see Mac football on Saturday afternoons or, or, you know, on Wednesday nights when we, when November rolls around, but they don't really think about kind of the things that go on behind the scenes and, you know, the business of it and then, and then the marketing aspect of it and all that stuff. So um, what, what's your experience been like as an employee of a division one conference like that, where, you know, it's, it's high profile, it's a product that's on TV all the time, but there's so much that goes in behind the scenes to help get that product on TV that looks good for people to watch. So um, what, what's your, your, both you guys, what's your experience been in kind of helping be a part of that and, and being one of those behind the scenes people at the Mac helping to put out the product? Well, uh, it's going to be a, a different answer, I feel like, for me. I know Jeremy has, you know, almost 20 years of experience at, at the conference office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he probably hates that I said that. <laughs> um, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. There's a ton that goes into, you know, making everything work every day. And we have, uh, you know, it's not a huge staff that we have over there. So people are constantly developing new roles and, and looking for new things to do. Um, which makes it exciting. And it's the perfect place, at least for me, right out of college, it was the perfect place for me to kind of own a lot of my skills that I already had, and develop new things and, and learn new things. So um, it's been fantastic for me. This will be my fourth year uh, working at the conference office. And it's, it's been a blast. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, and, and I'm not mad that Eric said <laughs> that because I'll tell you why. Um, there's a reason I've been here so long. Mm -hmm. And it's because I love what I do every day. And I love this conference. I was, uh, you know, a student, um, I'm an alum of uh, one of the member institutions in this conference. And um, I, I love it. And I love promoting our student athletes and our coaches and our stories. And I like that the, in the MAC, you have to work a little harder. You guys mentioned all the behind the scenes stuff that goes on. I mean, to pull off a championship or a broadcast on TV, uh, you're right. There's a ton that goes into it that people don't even realize, but I think that's why Eric's now been here for his time. Why I've, I've, I've never left. I love doing it. 
uh, they, they do say that, you know, you don't work a day in your life if you love what you do or whatever that quote is, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and that's true. That's, that's me. And, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love promoting this conference and working hard. As, as I started to say, you put in all this work to events. I feel like that's like the Mac as a whole is we're always trying to work harder to prove ourselves. Uh, maybe, you know, not the biggest, not the strongest, um, but, but we can work hard and we can take out those strong, uh, that strong competition on the field. And, um, you know, with, with a lot of things we do, we try to put on great championships. We try to do all of our social media stuff to to a level that is um, amongst the, the top five or, or top two in our regards, to be honest, in, in the country when it comes to all of our content that we put out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's going on 17 years, not 20, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's just as fun now as it was when I first started and I love it and I love every day is different. Uh, and every year you have different storylines that you can latch on to and come up with new things. And, and that's uh, what's so cool about being in the conference office. You mentioned uh, you, that you love your job and whatnot. What's, what's been your guys's like favorite moment while working for the Mac, whether it's attending a Mac championship game, whether it's a really close game that went over time, what's been like kind of a like highlight of being able to work for the Mac? Mine, um, mine's easy. It was uh, when Kent State went to the College World Series. If you haven't been to Omaha and you haven't been to the College World Series, it is one of the coolest events that I've ever been to. And to have one of our schools as part of that event, when you know, Northern schools aren't supposed to go to the College World Series. This sure. freshman schools from the MAC. And uh, for Kent State to do that, uh, and and to and for them to knock off the number one team in the nation, they beat Florida, um, and uh, they they actually sent them out. It was an elimination game. They took out Florida. That experience. Uh, anytime someone asks me that question, it's so easy. It hasn't changed since I went to the College World Series, and uh, just just absolute awesome memory. Yeah, I think for me, it, was, it would have been um, two years ago when uh, I got to fly to California to watch Akron play in the College Cup uh, Championship in uh, Santa Barbara. That was pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, I think they're, they went eight and six that year and, you know, was the fourth seed in our MAC tournament and then ended up winning the MAC tournament and then making their way through the NCAAs all the way to California. So that was a, a great trip to go and, and watch them compete in something like that. It was pretty incredible. Really, really cool. Jeremy, I just got to say, um, so that, that the 2012, that was 2012, right, when Kent yep. State went to the CWS. Yep. Um, so I went, to, I went to college at Penn State, and I actually worked for the baseball team uh, for a couple years while I was up there. That, was my, that would have been my junior year, I think. So anyway, Kent State came to Happy Valley and, and played Penn State a couple times that, that year. I was really impressed with, with the Golden Flashes, and then obviously yeah. they, they went on to do what they did. So um, really cool, really, really cool story. Um, I, was, I was curious, and I think, Jeremy, th this might be a question more, more for you than Eric, just knowing that you've been around the conference for a little bit longer. But I'm really curious about, like, like the whole idea of, of what is now known as maction, of playing football games on weeknights, on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever the night may be. 
you know, I feel like that was kind of a, a groundbreaking idea from the Mac that a lot of other smaller conferences have kind of followed suit there. Um, what, would you be able to give any insight into that process? Like what, what was it that, that kind of took, you know, made the Mac kind of take that step to say, hey, let's try this out and play some of our games on other nights and see how that gets received? Yeah, I wish I knew off the top of my head the, the first uh, time we had uh, a midweek game. Uh, it might have been when I just first started. Uh, okay. I don't know what actually went into the process, but I yeah. do know um, that it's, you know, some people like all their games on the weekends, and some people like the games during the week, and that's fine. It's each his own. What I like about the games during the week is that I've, I've dealt – uh, after the fact with guys that have gone to the NFL and I've talked to coaches about their programs and what that midweek means to them to be in on center stage uh, on in prime time uh, you know one guy's Kareem Hunt I mean just the games that he was able to produce while at Toledo and to get on the national stage propelled him and, and people you know knew of Kareem Hunt before he started you know, rushing for touchdowns with the Chiefs and and, now yeah. the and and so that provides just a platform for our guys um, to to be in prime time and to be household names. I mean, another one that just sticks out from his performances was Jordan Lynch. Uh, Jordan Lynch, a lot of how that last month, how he built up. I mean, don't get me wrong, he had an unbelievable season, but he was a household name because people were watching what he was doing during the week. And um, on ESPN, it was the only game on, and he was putting up huge numbers, and that led him to probably really helped him. I don't know, but probably really helped him to you know be a Heisman finalist. So I love that we can watch football all week long. I mean, give me football any night of the week, I love it. Um, and and it's it's just been great to get um, our, our guys, our programs um, on on a national stage when we can. Um, so I, I had one like final like question before if Zach has any final questions for you guys. So I'm sure you guys have been watching kind of the things around different sports, whether it's the TBT and the NBA and the idea of the bubble. I was just curious as to your guys' take on would it ever be possible? Like, I'm not sure how much you guys can say or whatnot, but do you guys, in your opinion, having your connection with the Mac, do you think it would ever be possible to implement that in? college athletics and more specifically like mac like mac athletics it doesn't matter it's up to you go ahead no please go ahead well i mean it's it's just tough um obviously we don't have all the resources um that that the the nba the mlb mls all that all those people have um it would be cool wouldn't it i mean i i think about that every day just being able to put everybody in a bubble and let's just play some football. Let's play some soccer. Let's, let's do something. Let's get it going for the fall. But um, unfortunately just with everyone being across state lines and things like that, different governments. Um, I don't know. I don't see it happening, but who knows? Every, every week is a new challenge and a new, uh, new opportunity, I guess, to, to look at this um, differently. So um, who knows? It would be tough from the aspect, like Eric just said, you got to deal with um, first and foremost, the state governments and what they've outlined um, for that state. I mean, you know, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to be able to travel right now? 
there's a 14-day quarantine from New York to Ohio uh, or vice versa, whatever it is. But um, so how would you navigate that? The other big thing, clearly, is we're dealing with college uh, college students. Uh, how how much would they like being in a bubble and not be be around that college experience? Uh, you know, going down the street, going downtown, I don't know, whatever it may be, it's very easy to take these NBA guys and put them all in an area and, and like Eric said, have the resources. So totally different ball game, pun intended, uh, to <laughs> have have student athletes do that and, you know, get to class and uh, what are you going to do about the traveling? It's just it's just really tough um, to do that. And, and then are they going to abide by it's easy to get these NBA guys and find them a bunch of money. You can't, you can't do that with college students. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'd love to see it, but I just, it's probably not in the cards. Yeah. I think I said to Sam on our podcast last week that, you know, I, uh, I do not envy the people in the, in the positions that, you know, are making these decisions. I, there's just, it, it almost seems like, you know, it's such a moving target that, uh, you know, what are you going to do? But, um, Anyway, you know, Sam, I, from my perspective, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't have any questions left. We just, you know, we thank you guys for taking some time to sit down with us today. We wanted to re return the favor after you guys had us on a few weeks ago. So we appreciate, uh, we appreciate you taking some time out for us and sitting down and having a conversation. Sure. And I would just like to say, I, again, I know we said it on our show, but I'll say it again. Appreciate what you guys are trying to do with this podcast, what you're trying to bring another outlet um, to, to get the Mac word out there. Um, and I know it's now, is this coming up on your third episode? That's yes. right. Yep. Right. So, you know, just, just continuing to get that out there with what you guys and just hustle belt overall, uh, what you guys try to do and stay on top of the news. It's, it's really cool to see and, and glad, uh, happy to see from where we sit that we have a group of passionate people out there that, uh, just love the conference as much as we do. They may not work with us, but we know that you guys love the conference as much as we do and you're trying to get the word out there about us. So, uh, you know, thank you guys again for having us on and we really appreciate it. Um, we'll, we'll be talking down the road for sure. Awesome. I think that's going to wrap it up for this interview. Big thanks as Zach mentioned to Jeremy guy and Eric Kwiatkowski. I think I pronounced two for two. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, big shout outs to them. They can, you can, you guys can check them out on all major platforms. I, I'm, I assume, right, Jeremy? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mine is just, uh, my Twitter is jguymac, and then, um, you know, the official Mac Twitter is Mac Sports, and I'll let Eric plug himself. I'm not, I'm not going to plug my Twitter. Oh. I, don't uh -huh. I, don't want, I don't want the kids out there seeing, seeing what I post, you know. Well, <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. But yeah, you guys can go check him out. Give him a follow. They, I, I don't, do you guys know how many episodes you have so far? Because it's quite a few. Yeah, I don't know. Um. No, I would guess uh, it's somewhere in the it's somewhere in the thirty to forty range. I would almost say fifty at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all good stuff, together. though. Yeah, I mean, for for any of our listeners who haven't checked them out, though, I mean, it's it's all good stuff. I know. I just the other day I was going back through some of your old episodes. I, I listened to the uh, the the Kent State the College World Series reunion um, episode you guys put out a few. I mean, it's it's great stuff. Great stories. Uh, really good stuff. So anyone out there that's a fan of the Mac, definitely uh, check out that that Call to Action podcast. Uh, Jeremy, 
Eric, thank you so much for joining us. We can't thank you enough. Look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you.